tell you one of the things that I'm praying about, and I know some of y'all are praying about this as well. We want to see another great awakening take place in America. We want to see it. Um, there's some things that have happened over, over the years. I haven't done the research like some of my mentors have. Uh, Roy Fish, who actually just passed away a, a, a few days back. Um, and uh, Ray Ortland, who's done some research on, on revival. Um, I want to do that. I think God's going to call me to do that. Probably some of y'all as well. But we want to see God to do, God do a great awakening. Um, I remember even as a teenager, just having stirring in my heart, just thinking, all right, something's going to happen in my lifetime. Has anybody, anybody ever been there? Anybody ever thought that? Let me know. All right? You just had this something stirring. Well, if, if, even if you're, you're, it hadn't happened yet, I bet you it's going to happen, that God's just going to stir this, of a hunger for it. And what happens is, is the more there's an expectation and a hunger for it, the more we pray for it, and God always works revivals and awakenings as the people really get on board and praying for it. And it appears, from what little I know, that there is no great revival and great awakening without a people being hungry for it and praying and asking God to give what he wants to give. It's kind of crazy how it works that way, because we're not doing it. We're just saying, God, would you give us what you already desire? But he loves that so much. And so in faith, that's what we do is we engage in prayer, and we say, all right, God, I just want to ask you to give us what you've already desired to give us. And so we want to see it happen around the globe. We want to see it in the United States. We want to see it here in the Bible Belt, and specifically we want to see it here in Huntsville, in the metro area. And I believe it's going to happen, you guys. But it's going to happen only as Christians really pray for it, really hunger for it, and really believe God for it. So you're going to hear me several times through today just to say, believe it, believe it. That one of, the, one of the things, one of the keys in our life is that we don't believe what God has already done. We may not understand what Jesus did on the cross, and then we don't believe what he's already done. So that's why we have to repent and believe in the gospel. That's the subtext and subtitles of this whole series in the book of Mark is to repent and believe in the gospel. And the primary thing we need to repent from is not believing in the gospel, not believing what God has already done and set into place. And so what we're praying is that Christians will be devoted to pray for it. We're praying that God will convince Christians uh, in Huntsville and specifically in Sojourn Church to embrace that you're a minister and that you're a missionary right where you are, no matter who, who pays your paycheck, no matter what you think your career is, that you see yourself as a full-time minister and a full-time missionary scattered all over our city, and that we would strategically live as disciple-makers on mission in community with one another. And as we, as we multiply disciple-makers, as we multiply that, we will multiply missional communities, and I'll unpack that a little bit more, and we will multiply church plants, which is a huge part of what we stand for and why this church has been planted, uh, is to plant other churches. Sojourn Church is part of a tremendous church planting network called the Acts 29 Network. And um, it's the Acts 29. I mean, if you, uh, if you look for Acts chapter 29, you're not going to find it because it ends in chapter 28. Um, the whole thought and the premise is we're living in the, the last chapter. We're living in Acts chapter 29 until Jesus comes back. 
Um, if you've never uh, if you've never read the book of Acts, you need to read it. And if you haven't read it all the way through, focused, you know, not spread out over five years reading it, but in a pretty short period of time, if you haven't read the book of Acts in the last three years, you need to read it. You need to read through it. Um, because you will understand a lot more of who we are as a church and really what the church is as you read the book of Acts. Now let me just give you a taste of what it looked like. Uh, just one story of what was going on. It's Acts 17, verses 1 through 9. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of Jews, okay? Jews, primarily who's being spoken to at this And Paul went in, and as was his custom, so this is his habit, consistently Paul, on the three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. We'll come back to that. And Jason has received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Let's pray, and we're going we're gonna to press forward. Holy Spirit, once again, I, I lean on you. We lean on you. I can't transform anybody. I don't want to manipulate anybody. But God, we want to see conversion in this place. We want to see transformation in this place. We pray that you will work powerfully among us. And we trust that you'll do that. We believe it. We believe that you are going to do all, all the change that's necessary in this world. You're going to save everybody that you're going to save, Lord. We trust you with it. We believe it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, guys, we could spend the, the, the whole gathering today um, unpacking this scripture from Acts chapter 17. We're not going to do that. Um, there's some, I mean, there's some potent things in there that if you want to go back and do some studying, you know, where it talks about how he reasoned from the Scriptures. He leaned on the Word of God. He talked about how the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, must suffer, but also must rise again from the dead. I mean, he, just, he, was, he was just making some systematic steps of what needed to happen in this broken world, that there would be a Redeemer, a Savior. And then he said, or it says later on in there, they were saying that there is another king, his name is Jesus, and then ultimately he proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ. And as a result of that, because of God's working, then there were Jews who repented, Greeks who repented, and not only men, but women, not only women, but leading women within, within the area, right? But what I really want to get to um, as a springboard for the rest of our time is verse 6. It says they turned the world upside down. Turn the world upside down. Now it's crazy. It's kind of crazy. It's ironic, but it's because it says they created a mob and had this uproar to try to go and get these guys. But then they're saying these guys have been a part of t- 
turning the world upside down as if that was a bad thing. It was a great thing. Now, the reality, guys, is that God is the one turning the world upside down. If they had had the chance to respond, they would quickly have said, it is not us, but it's it's the Spirit of Jesus that lives within us and His power to bring glory to Jesus, to the Father, and to Himself. He is the one who's doing it. So in, in every point that I make after this of God's vision toward great awakening and towards towards great prayer for one another, it's the Holy Spirit that must be behind it. And any good fruit, any good thing that comes of it, we don't get the credit. Jesus does. Am I right? Am I right? Awesome. Um, so God was the one turning the world upside down, but... He was using his intended catalyst for world change. The church. The church. Not just Christians. I, I mean, you've got, you've got folks who will say, man, my church is nature. I don't, I don't, need, to, I don't need to go to a, a place with pews and steeple. I, I, just, I, I can just go off and, on a hike on my own, and, and that's my church. Guess what? You can, get, you can have some awesome time with God on a hike or go out and be alone. You need to have time alone with God, but that is not the church. The church is God's chosen people that gathers together to worship Him and to press one another into His mission together. And so if you look at it within Huntsville, Alabama, you could call it, that we're, you could say that we're, there's the church of Huntsville, but then there's many congregations within the church of Huntsville. Sojourn is just one of many congregations in the church of Huntsville. We're not the best church. We're not, we're not the hippest or coolest church. We're a congregation in the church of Huntsville. And it's great to be a part of what God's doing within this city. And we should pray for the rest of the congregations. We're not in any kind of a competition here. We want to see the water level rise in the whole city. Am I right? Okay, so some of y'all, you've come from other churches. You know, you, you ended up here, or, or maybe you moved here and, and from somewhere else, or, or maybe you ended up meeting, meeting somebody, you got a friend that goes to another church and all that. Be, be intentional and, and, and process that, that there's, there's people connected to other churches that are in your sphere of influence that that's on purpose. And God wants you, on occasion, as God brings in mind, to pray for that church, pray for that pastor, pray for those elders, pray for that church to be faithful to the Bible, faithful to the gospel, faithful to be on mission together. Because um, there are some churches actually in our town, some congregations that do need to get shut down because they're off the rails. They don't believe in Jesus in, as being exclusive. They don't believe uh, the Bible uh, as being trustworthy. Um, and so there are some that God does need to shut down or for repentance to take place. We should be praying for that as well. But listen, the church is God's intended catalyst. And these guys said, listen, they said, oh no, they've come to our neighborhood. Things will change. No, our world will be turned upside down now that they're here. Guys, that is the, one of the greatest indictments I've ever heard. To be able to say, we've got to stop these people because they're gonna, the, the, our city is going to change because they're here. Man, would that only be what could be said about the church of Huntsville first in our city to say, man, the city's been turned upside down because of those Christians. And at a micro level, could it, not for our glory, but, uh, but that what would be behind it, the reasoning behind it, the fruit behind it, be able to be said that, man, 
Sojourn Church is part of changing. Things have changed because of who that church is. Um, but now we ask the question, how did it happen? How did the world get turned upside down? Just very basic, guys. It was a, it was a movement. The church, as it was being birthed, Acts, 20, Acts 28, if you would. You know, as it was all of Acts, as it was being birthed before, before we get to the rest of the centuries, it was a movement of people who had a solidarity together through the exclusive claim that Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection was the only hope for humanity. If we ever get to a place where we start tweaking things about Jesus, that he's not, it's not the exclusive Savior, or he's not biblically faithful, or, or taking, taking other, what people have written since then, and, and say, well, I'm, you know, he was this or that, or he had a, uh, I know there's some writings, in, uh, this, even this past week coming, uh, a, a Gnostic fragment um, that they don't know if it's real or not, but saying that, that, that Jesus had a wife, and, you know, just kind of starting all that mess again. And, and, uh, and by the way, you don't have to be afraid of that stuff. Um, you don't have to be afraid of, you don't have to get on the bandwagon and say, well, we, we have to say it was, it was false. We have to say that that's, that's uh, a forgery um, and, hang, and hang your Christianity on that. It doesn't matter if it's a forgery or if it's authentic. It's crap. Whether it's fake crap or real crap, it's crap. And so don't worry about that stuff. Um, but what they did was they multiplied gospel-centered disciple-makers and communities of gospel-centered disciple-makers. They created communities that looked past race, class, gender, and bias. And together, they helped the helpless, they bandaged the wounded. It's very practical what mission and love and justice and compassion looked like with those who weren't even a part of their tribe. It started with those within the family. It starts there. In fact, that's one of the apologetics, one of the defenses of the faith, one of the things that should be a reason why Christians, people become Christians, according to the Bible, is they'll know they're Christians by their love for one another. That starts there, but it doesn't end there. It flows over into the neighbor's. through intentional communities that were living on mission. It was through living a life that was focused on Jesus and community and mission. That's what you'll see if you read the book of Acts. That's the reason why those are our core values. Jesus, community, mission. You know, if you're in here, and, uh, and if you're in here, if you're not, a, you're not a believer, obviously you don't have to buy into Jesus, community, or mission at this, at this point. We, the main thing we want you to buy into is Jesus, because once you buy into him, you'll buy into his community, you'll buy into his mission. But if you're a member here, if you're a covenant member, and you don't buy into Jesus or community or mission and all three of all three of those, we need to talk. Because you need to change or you need to leave. Um, now that doesn't mean everybody who's not hitting on all cylinders there needs to leave the church. Because if that's the case, I'm gone. <laughs> you know? Well, it's a heart issue. Is that, is that where we want to be? We want to be a person that said, you know what, I buy in even though I stink at it. Um, I really want to be a person that loves Jesus more, engaged in community, being on mission as God reveals it to us. So we join the 1st through 20th centuries in this calling of Jesus, community, and mission. And we are living in the 29th chapter of Acts. 
Now guys, I believe, I believe we will see awakening in our city. I believe we'll see it in the Bible Belt. I think we'll see it in our country. I think we'll see it before, before I die. I hope we'll see it soon in my life. But I believe it's going to happen. Um, that's not Bible. Um, we're not, we don't, it doesn't hinge on that. But um, I do believe God wants us to believe it and to pray for it uh, and to expect it. But here's the deal, guys. It will not happen. Listen. It will not happen without us pressing one another in the areas of Jesus' community mission. Let me share some things about our demographics here in Huntsville. These are 2011 numbers. You can Google them and, and find this. Um, Huntsville City, in 2011 numbers, 182,956 people. Madison County, 340,111 people. In the metro area, which is Madison and part of Limestone County, if not all of it, um, 425,480. 425, let's just call it 425,000 people in the metro people in the metro area. I've already mentioned um, Acts 29, and you guys, um, if, you, if you don't know anything about Acts 29, let's go grab coffee. Certainly Google and go to acts29network.org uh, or whatever it is, and, um, and, and read more about it. Um, but we are very serious about planting churches together. Um, that's why we're involved. It's not a denomination. Uh, there's, no, there's no ecclesiastical hierarchy. means there's no authority that one church has over another church like that, although it's a, it's a tight brotherhood, but it's built around us. We do have common common theology. We have common mission. And then a part of that mission is we want to multiply churches like crazy. Like crazy. So when we when we assess church planters, well, we assessed a guy just last week uh, down in Mobile, and that should, that's going to be finally a, a prayer to, to connect to Mobile if, if that guy, if, if, if he's brought in It'll be a final connection to get us our Southern Point tip, you know, uh, which would just be a, a dream that we've had for about three years. So God help us to make that final connection. Um, but we're assessing pastors uh, and church planters and potential church planters. And I do this a lot with uh, one of the local pastors in town, Paul Whaley, who's at Summit Crossing Church. Summit Crossing is an incredible church. Uh, Paul Whaley is a good friend. Uh, he, he and Brandy, uh, good friends of Danielle and myself, and they are a partner church in Acts 29 uh, here in the area. Twice a month, Paul and I, we take a few hours together and we train local and regional church planters on two different days. And um, we got together just another time this past week for lunch and we're just dreaming and dreaming about our city together. Now, let me pull back a little bit. I want to remind you again of how Sojourn Church does church. We... We consider everything we do in, in one of two categories. Sojourn Gathered and Sojourn Scattered. Sojourn Gathered is this right here. It's where we come together and we lift high the voice of Jesus, where we say, all right, Word of God, speak to us. Jesus, speak to us. Um, it's where it's not my authority as pastor, but it's Jesus' authority as senior pastor of this church. And the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible to be able to, to speak and to preach to, to us. So we sit under his authority in doing that. 
Um, and so we worship together, and God does transformation and change, and people people um, go from being dead dead in their in their sins to com- coming alive in Christ in this environment. It's it's awesome. God, people to do it for thousands of years as people of God come together and worship. But that's only it's only a, a few hours out of the entire week that we come together and gather. It's vital. It's important. It's part of how God has designed the church. But most of what the church is scattered scattered and so our dream and what we've been walking out for a few years now is that we've got groups we call them journey groups that are they're spread out around the city north south central uh, east and west um, and just saying God would you plant them in strategic areas to where to where people understanding that they're missionaries that they take seriously their neighborhood what it would mean to be a missionary and be ministers in, in their own neighborhood. And uh, we've got other discipleship groups, students and ladies and, and men as well, but specifically the journey groups are, are about people attempting to try to walk closer together and to share life together, share resources together, to, to start like looking like Acts 2.42 like we talked about last last week. And to study their area and make progress towards reaching their area with the gospel message and mission. Now, let me go back to Paul, Whaley, and I. We were, and we were, what we're dreaming, we're dreaming. What if, what if there were a journey group or a missional community for every thousand people in Metro Huntsville? You hear me? What if there was, what if there was a, a missional community, a journey group? For every 1,000 people in Metro Huntsville. In our city, in Huntsville proper, that'd mean we need 183. 183 to, to be one for 1,000 people. In our county, 340 groups. In the metro area, 425 of these. Where And I'm not just talking Bible studies, which are so, so important. Um, I'm not just talking about uh, a, a group that gets together and goes hiking, which is awesome, you know. We're talking about intentionality strategic discipleship, disciple-making, and being able to walk it out together, specifically as we start dreaming about areas of, of the city in which we're, we're in. I mean, what would happen if, if God kept moving us in that area? Because we we're, still, we're still trying to figure it out, guys. I mean, we, we, uh, we had an awesome meeting a couple Sunday nights ago with, with group leaders, and, and in it, man, we, there's, so, there's a lot to celebrate of what God's doing, but there's a lot in which we're just saying, man, we're, we're still swinging the bat, we're still trying to figure this out of what it means to try to live life together and to be intentional and strategic and disciple making and being a disciple and getting discipled and discipling others that so we, we don't have it all figured out but we're pressing in pressing in and this kind of a goal it can't be just one church and and so specifically Paul now we're gonna we're gonna start reaching out to some like-minded churches that that really have the same type of philosophy of Jesus community and mission maybe they use Terminology is just a little bit different, but they get it, and that's what that's what they're trying to do is spread spread missionaries out all over the city that say, "Man, man, plant the flag right here, and Jesus is alive and King in my neighborhood and in my workplace and in my schoolroom." And, and say, "What would it look like if we were if we just kept taking baby steps in that?" And so we're just this is just the beginning of it, and I pray that I ask that you guys would pray and pray for us in that. And uh, who knows, the, a strategic idea may come from one of y'all. Share it with me. Share it with Paul. You know, I mean, 
you know, just pray, pray it through of, of what it might what it might look look like. Um, now, you know, sojourn, we must pray about not only God doing this in the city, but we must pray about what is our part. What is our part that God wants to do? Because God has a specific reason why He's created Sojourn Church and specific mission, and therefore there's strategic mission that He's going to have with your journey group and missional community and your family. It's going to be strategic and specific. It's not going to be like in another church or, or in another group even, but what God speaks and breathes into your life, what He wants to do. But with us as a church, I mean, how many missional communities, journey groups, does that mean that God wants to launch in a year, in two years, in five years? starting to process that and think through and say, God, well, dream your dreams. What would that mean? But, but that also means, God, how many disciple makers within the church must be raised up? The people that really, that really embrace it. Say, this is the lifestyle I want to live. And, and I, I, hope that, I hope that we don't lose anybody, but there could be, could be some that just says, you know what, that's just too high of a cost. I, and I, or that's just not really my dream. And if that were the case, well, let's talk. You know, don't want to see you go, but I mean, but if you're convinced you got something different, then then it'd probably be better if you'd be aligned with, with a church that has a that has congruency in that. But man, we we just want we want to see people that are just all in, all in, and say, man, it's not about me and my life, but God, what do you dream to do in my life, in our life, together? I mean, how many leaders need to be raised up to do that? How many people with the gift of teaching? the gift of mercy, the gift of leadership, the gift of administration, the gift of service, the gift of prayer, the gift of administration, the gift of, and the list goes on and on. God raising up people, placing them well within Sojourn Church. What's it going to look like? I know this, it will not happen without us pressing one another in the areas of Jesus' community and mission. It won't. But listen, guys, it will not happen. Listen. It will not happen without us praying for one another in the areas of Jesus' community mission. It's not going to happen. It just won't. That as much as we want to challenge and encourage and press one another, if, if we're not on each other's radar in prayer, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Um, My, uh, my first sermon that I preached at 16 years old uh, at Whitesburg Baptist Church during, during Youth Week, one of the key components of that was I talked about us being Christians being a pipe, a pipe by which the Holy Spirit flows through. And, uh, and Judy, Judy actually went there this morning um, about how a pipe is a catalyst, a catalyst for the movement of God. And I think... Judy said something like being a channel of grace or something where your grace comes through us. But I, I, I want to I I want you to know that God wants us wants us to recognize two specific pipes, two two pipes. The first pipe is that we are being used by God. That we're the pipe by which the Holy Spirit just flows through in what we're saying and what we're doing, the action in our everyday. That we're just saying, all right, God, it's not about me. I just want to kind of get out of the way so you can flow through me to minister to other people, to impact other people. It's not me impacting people. It's God impacting 
other people, being, being strategic in that way, right? And that's, that's probably what you would think of most of the time as far as if you think of a pipe and, and being used by God, you're going to think of, think of me being used in ministry or somebody else being used in ministry. But please pay attention to pipe number two. Pipe number one is me or somebody else. Dave up here being used right where we are as missionaries, as ministers in our neighborhood, in our workplace and work environment with people God's placed around us. But don't miss pipe number two because what God wants to do is let's say Dave right here, that he's one on my, my prayer radar. And God wants to use me as a, as a catalyst by which the power of God and the protection of God flows through my prayers to him to be pipe number one. Are you with me? You see that connection? That not only does God want to use you as a pipe to, be, to, to flow through you, but he wants to use somebody else to be this connective catalyst for the power of God to strengthen you and encourage you as you go about it and wants to use you as a pipe and a connection point by which the Holy Spirit empowers the people that are around you. And we, we talked last week how, as, our James, you have not because you ask not. And how there, it's just very clear in Scripture that there are some things that don't happen in life because we don't pray. Or there's some things, there's bad things that happen in life sometimes because we don't pray. Now, God is very merciful, and many times He... He, uh, he offsets that, and He steps in when we, when we miss it. And he, he makes sure provision or protection is there. And I'm grateful for that. But we must know, we must know that when we're prayerless, and that's very careless, it's that there are people that, that things are missing in their life. It's fairly strength or wisdom or peace that they need for that day is, is being, being missed. Guys, Awakening is not going to happen without the prayer for one another in the areas of Jesus' community and mission. And so I, I, I challenge y'all that you would that you would kind of hear God's charge to us to generally pro, to generally pray for awakening and revival, but specifically to pray for one another. You, you with me? Generally, man, just let that be. It's coming off of our lips, and it's, it's it's only going to come off our lips if it's really birthed in our hearts. So so maybe just start and saying, God, would you just put a fire in, in me? And, and in fact, I, that's not even right. Recognize God's given us a new heart; and the Holy Spirit's within you. So therefore, the desire is already there. So just say, God, would you fan the flame, fan the flame? If anything that I'm doing, kind of building a wall around that fire, Lord, may help me. Just, I'm just tear that wall down and just stoke the fire to where. And I just believe it and expect it and want revival and genuine awakening to take place in our city, in the Bible Belt, in the nation, around the globe. That's general, though. Specifically, though, and last week's challenge was five days a week that you would ping and pray people that you're in the trenches with. For most of y'all, that's going to mean going to mean the people that are in your group that you're with. Um, 12 is not a magic number. It may be five people. It could be 12. It could be 15. I don't know. But just who are the people that God's placed around you and you around them? And God's saying, pray consistently for these people. But don't, don't just pray for them, but let them know. 
ask them. Say, how can I pray? How can I pray for you? Um, I read uh, from a text um, from Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, um, last, last week. And I want to read it to you. And uh, I want to read to you from a blog that, that, that was written about, about that passage just two days ago. Um, for this reason, I bow to my knees before the Father. This is Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen right now what i would challenge you let's see let's say that you have have taken you've heard from god it's like you know what yep, i need to i need to engage in that 5 days a week you know praying consistently for those specifically around me. um this is a tremendous foundational pack, uh, passage here. Because uh, even in there, it states that he, he does more than we even ask or even what we think think or think to ask. He's going to do more. And so there's, that's awesome. That's gospel. That's great news right there that he makes up the difference so much of the time. <coughs> but what, what would it mean if we strategically prayed that? And we, we, did, we dealt with that scripture last week. And uh, this guy on, on Desiring God's website, John Bloom, he wrote a prayer, um, a praying through that prayer. And, and I just want to read it to you. Um, and if, if you desire, uh, let, let me know. I can, I can uh, shoot this to you um, or show you where it's found later on. Um, so this is something to pray for yourself or specifically to pray for others. Oh, gracious God, Father of the Lord Jesus. Through your son's word, I hear you ask me, what do you want What do you want me to do for you? He references Luke 18, 41. This is my answer. I want Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. Did you hear that? In this prayer, starting out. Through your son's words, I hear you asking me, what do you want me to do for you? And my answer is, once you bring about Ephesians 3, 16 to 19. Now he continues. I want you to strengthen me. Now when I, when I say the word me, think also you. Where or, or them, but somebody else in, your, in your, your prayer circle. I want you to strengthen them with power through your spirit and their inner being. Verse 16. I need your power more than I need prosperity or popularity or peace in my family because I'm so weak. I need more power because I long for more of Jesus to dwell in my heart through faith. Verse 17. I know he dwells there now, but not enough of him. I want more of Him. And I can only have that if your Spirit strengthens my heart to hold more of your Son through faith. I need more of Jesus in me so that I will be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 17. Your greatest commandment, Father, your Son's last commandment, and the greatest of the Spirit's gift is love for you and for others. I want more love. I need you to do whatever it takes to root out the pride and selfishness in me 
praying for others and them. So that as a branch rooted and grounded in the vine, I will bear much fruit of love. And I want you to do this in me because in the logic of Paul's prayer, I see that this rooting and grounding work of the Spirit in what is what will give me strength to comprehend the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Verses 18 and 19. The more grounded I am in your love, the greater my strength to comprehend your love in Christ. He continues. Oh, I need strength. They need strength to comprehend the unfathomable. We are so dull, narrow, shallow, distracted, and fragmented. I can scarcely feel gratitude for the blazing star on which my mortal life depends and is flooding my windowed office with such mercy. How much less am I giving you the source of my existence and salvation, the glory you deserve through my weak comprehension and small affections. Give me strength, Father. Give them strength, Father. We want to know the love of Christ. We want to know its soaring heights and its humble depths. We want to see its expanse stretching from one eternal horizon to the other. Though I cannot take it all in, there's so much more to see. And the more I see and the more they see, the more we will be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 19. That will be the heaven of heavens. And what we can have of it here is heaven on earth. I don't ask you for long earthly life. I ask you for full life a life full of you. For if I'm filled with your fullness, Philippians 1.21 will be my song and Philippians 1.23 my desire. That's what I want you to do for me, Father. That's what I want you to do for them, Father. Enlighten the eyes of our heart by your spirit and wisdom, spirit of wisdom and of revelation so that we will know the unspeakable, almost unbearable joy of having you in all our triumph all of your triune fullness filling us. And I ask you this in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. And again, man, yes. And pray, pray that for yourself. But what would happen if you prayed, prayed that for others? What would happen? Um, let me just personally testify. Uh, um, I, I, had, I had several of y'all ping me this week saying, just prayed for you, or I'm praying for you, or how can I pray specifically for you? All those. Guys, I was incredibly encouraged by that. Not only that, listen, the peace of God was palpable this week. The peace of God. I mean, it, it was like a rock that I was standing on all week long. The peace of God that passed my understanding. There's some things that happened this week that I was just like, okay, I'd normally, I'd normally, you know, have a have kind of a blow from that and kind of shake a little bit from it. It didn't happen. The peace of God was a rock. I didn't have all the answers. I had to pray. I had to press in. The peace of God was there, and I believe, I believe it's because you guys were praying for me. You, you did, and I know there's some others in here that. Some things changed this week. There's some things that you felt you knew were different because somebody had been pinging you that they been praying for. You knew it. You knew people were, were praying. So guys, listen. Let's just, let's do what we were made to do. 
He wants, he wants this of us. And, and he's empowered us to be able to do this. This is not, this is not a failure, a failure mission. We will miss miss it and mess it up, but God, He's going to continue to grow us. Let's just believe. Let's believe it. Um, I'm going to end with this. Who are who are the people that God's placed around you that you're in the trenches with? You guys who are group leaders that you're in here or listening to this sometime in the future, I want to challenge you that you're praying weekly, at least a couple times a week for each person in your journey group, in your group. Or whatever group that you may lead in here, that you're praying consistently for them. But don't just pray for them. Let them know. Let them know that you're praying. There's a tremendous peace and courage that God pours out from this. When we uh, come back next week, um, we're going to unpack there's several scriptures um, that, that either they say pray this or pray that. Um, I got one in particular that um, my friend Doug Weaver is going to bring a little bit of testimony um, from um, in, in his life and in my life as well. And uh, but just it'll be very practical. It'll be instructive to us. And we just need to, in faith, to say, "All right, God, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to take these scriptures and I'm going to pray for the people that are around me. And I believe, I have faith, God, that You're changing things in their life." Guys, I believe God is going to do a great awakening in our country. I believe God's going to do something amazing in our city. It will not happen. It will not happen if the people of God don't drive further in prayer. So the to-do list, uh, what I want to challenge you with is think through who are the people and say yes and engage. Five days a week, ping them as well. Um, further, you guys who are in groups, especially the journey groups, um, I want to challenge you guys to set a date, a time in which you do a prayer walk around whatever neighborhood, wherever it is that you meet, that you do a prayer walk. And um, sometimes some of our groups, people are, are from different neighborhoods and all, then just as you think through the next few months, if you scatter out and say, you know what, okay, we, we prayer walked here. How about, how about this night we come to your house and then we prayer walk your neighborhood. And I'm just telling you, I think God's going to unleash things. He's going to unleash strategy and, and just bring favor between you and neighbors um, as a result of us doing this. Let's pray. <coughs> um, God, just continue to continue to encourage us. May, may, we not, may we not receive any of this as, as any kind of punishment or any kind of a spanking, but rather an encouragement where you're just saying, come on, son. Come on, walk with me. Come here, my daughter. Come on, I've got, I've, I've got you covered. I've taken care of imperfection on the cross. Just come, come with me, and uh, help us, Lord, to say yes. Um, burn a fire within us for awakening in our city. Burn a fire within us to say yes uh, to praying, not only for awakening generally, but specifically for the people that we're walking alongside. Guys, um, we're, uh, we're about to open up the tables for communion. We do this every week. Um, and uh, here's the deal. If you're new here, if you're a Christian, this is for you. You don't have to be a member of Sojourn Church. This is a family thing. 
Um, if you're not a Christian in here, it is so okay for you to, to bow out of this and, and don't feel any embarrassment because uh, in doing this, we're proclaiming the gospel. We're saying that Jesus was broken on the cross. His blood poured out. And he did it for us. And we believe He rose again from the dead. It is a confession of the gospel that you're doing and you're preaching as we go. Take the bread that's already been broken for you, dip it in the wine or in, in the juice, uh, and either there, uh, take it, or you can go back to your seats, or you can go in a group, however you want to, you're led uh, to do that, uh, to take to take communion. Um, the Lord be with you as you do that. The tables are open. so sweet to trust in Jesus Cleansing. 